0: Hello and welcome to the Data Busters podcast, the podcast for all things school data. We're back. It seems like a lot has changed in a few short months as we move all into the living with COVID era, whereas last time we recorded schools were still working largely day to day. The last few months have seen a sea change as we begin to be able to look up, take a look around and plan for a slightly more stable future. In the midst of all this, there are some significant developments on the national education scene as the government's Green Paper on the Special Educational Needs and Disabilities and Alternative Provision System in England is out for review, with public consultation open until the 22nd of July this year. This month, we're looking at data proofing SEND provision in school as we look at using data to help identify needs in the classroom and what schools should do to help those pupils who need additional support i'm richard selfridge author of data busting for schools and data proof your school and joining me as always is jamie pembroke data buster extraordinaire insight facilitator co-author of data proof your schools and all-round data guru morning jamie how are you today
1: Uh, i'm all right thank you very much how are you how's your data world
0: Data world, it's been busy, actually, lots of things going on, Uh, lots of work with schools who are, um, again, just really taking control of things and making changes and um, putting, I I work with various schools and maths to put, uh, as you know, um, data strategies in place. And it's amazing how, um, how much that gives schools, once they've got a data strategy in place, they know what they're doing with their data, and they're really actually thinking about, the actions that that uh, that result from what they're actually collecting and using. So that's all been good. Um, and yourself, are you keeping busy?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I've been doing um, these uh, Insight roadshows. So I've been uh, driving around, actually going places, uh, driving around and um, going doing some uh, demos of Insight, uh, kind of old and new stuff, so uh, lesser known bits and pieces of the system, but mainly looking at their provision mapping and learning plan uh, developments. Um, so that's obviously uh, relevant to today's conversation and um evangelizing usually evangelizing about data minimalism and data proofing your school uh so that's all that's all good and i'm doing a talk this week which i've uh, titled um what did i call it a, a brief update on nearly everything and it's an attempt to try and get a, a whole roundup of of statutory assessment changes and um what you should be doing internally as well so you know internal assessment and tracking um so and I guess a bit like we were doing, you know, saying stop doing this, do this instead. So yeah, it's good. It's good. Excellent. Yeah,
0: like I said in the in the intro again, we're in a position now, and it's it's almost extraordinary to see it that in within three or four months, I mean, three or four months ago, everything was very much about the day to day in school. What are we doing now? How are we managing the situation? You know, yeah. the sort of the COVID situation. But there's a bit more of a sense of the sort of living with covid thing which sounded a bit odd when when that first was introduced but i think that's the truth isn't it you know we're all just able yeah. to to take a look up and actually make plans and as i say put things yeah, in yeah, place yeah, yeah, yeah. and think about the wider picture which has been yeah. really useful yeah uh, now one one of the things we talked about last time was um uh statutory assessment and what's been happening obviously the key stage two um sats have happened for the first time yeah. in three years which has been really interesting to to yeah. see that in school most people's uh it's school where i teach where we just kind of got on with it you know yeah. um yeah um it, it it is what it is you know it, i say we, we got through it we got on with it um yeah. we're currently doing phonics screening check this week um yeah. and the multiplication check is in place now yeah so yeah yeah, yeah
1: so um okay. all all of the statutory assessments are are back and uh, obviously the, the the reception baseline happened at the start of the year um and obviously that's just going to be Tucked away the results from that. We won't see anything of that until 2028 or whenever it is that they get to the end of um, uh, key stage two um, until then sort of business as, as, as normal. So we will see uh, sort of full raft of um, uh, sort of performance measures this year. No um no published performance tables for primary schools this year weirdly they are publishing performance tables for secondary schools i don't really understand why they're doing one you know doing them secondary but not not primary um but data will be published for those schools in the asp system and there will be inspection data summary reports so there will be those uh, performance measures um it's going to be interesting because this will be the first co- cohort Um, of Year 6 children, uh, first uh, Key Stage 2 cohort, that have progress measured from the newer um, National Curriculum Assessments at Key Stage 1. That should have happened in 2020. It didn't, obviously. Should have happened in 2021. Didn't, obviously. So this year we will see uh, the the new published guidance on, uh, and that that will happen at the end of the summer, um, on, on how progress will be measured. Basically, it will be the same. Children will be put into prior attainment groups. Their Key Stage 2 uh, scores will be compared to the national average scores The children in the same prior attainment groups. It's just that the prior attainment groups will be different and there will be fewer of them. And I think that the progress measure as a result will be far more flaky than it has been, and it has been very flaky. So uh, we're going to look... I, I look forward to building a new value-added calculator. Not one of oh, those yeah. for years. So I'll be beavering away on the 31st of August or the 1st of September, whenever. I've already started doing the bits that I can do. So the various mm. drop-down menus and things, so I can select the various results. So I've already started on that. So yeah, um, yeah. interesting times. Oh, and of course, key stage one. We uh, were talking about this. Key stage exactly.
0: one. Yeah, exactly. Because key stage one, the question, that, which I think a lot of people are considering, is: so now we've got the baseline in place as from last September. Um, wasn't the plan to get rid of assessment at key stage one? Which that was the plan, yeah. wasn't it?
1: Yeah, Yeah, so there's a weird kind of history to this. Um, Hmm. When the original attempt to implement a reception baseline, 2015, where schools could choose their own provider, which is just weird, um, they chose the wrong one. Yeah, they well, evidently they chose the wrong (laughs) one. That's us being sarcastic, by the way. You know, necessarily. um, We don't mean it was the wrong one. (laughs) I think that was probably the opinion of the Department for Education. That was definitely Um, their (laughs) opinion. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So um, and they go right, you've chosen the wrong one. We're starting again. Um, Yeah, they wanted a more standardised baseline. But anyway, that's by the by. We've talked about this before. Um, So the plan was to originally to have an overlap cohort, that there would be one cohort that did have a a reception baseline assessment and a key stage one assessment. They would calculate progress from both points for that one single cohort, the 2015 reception cohort. Uh, And then the school would, quote marks, air quotes, benefit from the higher of the two measures but only for that one uh cohort should be like the 2021 i don't know something like that Mm. cohort anyway um then baseline version two comes out that's where we are now and i I was under the impression i think everyone was that uh this current the, the, the first cohort official reception because obviously there was a trial year and there was a pilot year and there's an early adopter year and a three basic trial years. The first cohort to have an official fully rolled out, that cohort, that's this cohort. Once they got to the end of Key Stage 1, go, well, we won't bother assessing with Key Stage 1 because they've got a reception based on That's what mm-hmm. I was led to believe. That's what I thought. I think that's what most people thought. Right. Mm-hmm. So that means we would only have uh, two more years of Key Stage 1. And anyway, we've seen the timetable and there's going to be three more years of Key Stage 1. Now, uh, so that means that this current reception cohort will be also assessed at key stage one which does beg the question like why Mm -hmm. does this mean that they are starting to have doubts about the quality of that data or the reliability of that data how useful that data will be i I don't i mean really is it going to be any better than key stage one (laughs) no there have always been problems with key stage one i don't see the point you know i personally think they should just scrap key stage one assessment And just do away. We've had two years about progress measures. We could do with a couple of years more. I don't think it'd be a big deal. They could scrap key stage one assessment now. But anyway, it looks like now they're getting, maybe they're getting nervous about that.
0: Exactly. Or oh, it's, I don't know, but, the, but it's certainly scheduled. So the DfE have scheduled Key Stage 1 yeah. assessments in 2023 and 2024 for That's the right. time being. So oh, more yeah. updates as we get them, but we'll see what happens as we move forward. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, certainly yeah. quite a busy time. And it's certainly, definitely, I say all those statutory assessments are back, um, in, you know, in slightly tweaked ways. Um, and we'll see how that develops um, as and- we move forward.
1: It is worth pointing out on the subject of Key Stage 1 that the scaled score conversion tables were released last week, and this caused quite a lot of uproar because the pass mark threshold for both reading and maths has increased by one mark. And I think a lot of people interpreted this to mean that the expected standard uh, had been increased. It got got harder. It got harder to meet the expected standard. People need to realise that this is just a normal thing for tests. Pass marks, it could have gone down as well as up, that it's, uh, it, you know, this happens in GCSEs all the time, um, it just reflects the relative difficulty of the test year on year. So it could have been it went up in one subject and down in another. They do trial, uh, they do trialing, children around the country will sit sample tests and from the results of those sample tests, they will then be able to work out um, compared to previous year's results and the original reference of the original uh, year, I think when it was back in 2016 when the expected standard was set, uh, they can then work out like, well, was this an easier or was this harder? Looking at the percentages, yeah. we need to adjust up and down. So what they're trying to do is they're not trying to make the expected standard harder or easier or whatever, they're trying to maintain it. So they fluctuate the past micro pressure in order to maintain the expected standard. And if you're going to have an expected standard, it's important that it's maintained. There's no point in trying to adjust that or manipulate that or drop that and go, oh, take count Yes, children have had disruptive, uh, a, 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 a disrupted education over the last couple of years, but that doesn't mean you you should change or manipulate or whatever the expected standard in any way we need to try otherwise you might as well just scrap it you, yep. you need to maintain the standard as best you can and that's what they're doing by adjusting that pass mark threshold yeah Yeah.
0: yeah and it's, it's important to just to clarify that as you say that, uh, that it is uh, through part of the assessment design process you ensure yes. that you set the expected standard at, at the right place and that might mean that the raw scores um, that are required are slightly different so yeah, yeah it's good yeah, to, good yeah, to yeah, make yeah. that point yeah Excellent. Um, otherwise, um, so, uh, we've, uh, we're also we've got Data Proof Your School is out, been out since January. Thank you very much yes. to those people who have bought it and given us some feedback. We've got yeah. some really nice review on Amazon. Somebody said it was a fantastic book about the benefits and pitfalls of school data assessment yeah. methods and data yeah. systems. And for all SLT and aspiring, lead, aspiring leaders, this is a must read. I have to say, um, whoever wrote that, thank you very much.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, obviously, all, all um, senior leaders uh, should should read it, and um, and and governors as well. Um, so yeah, governors. Uh, that's something I'm increasingly interested in. The you know the the, the way that data is um, sort of compiled, presented to governors. Uh, something I'm very interested in. And there's certainly some parts in the book that I think governors would be interested in as well. So yeah, um, get get the book, read it. Minimize your data, likes.
0: And we're going to this month. We're going to look at data proofing. Send support in school, in in the classroom, and outside the classroom. But in in school, thinking about how do you actually support pupils with SEND identifying and supporting those which is a large part of the book obviously because in the book we, we um, talk about as you say minimizing data and we talk about that you know using um, data to develop pictures of pupils so that you begin to understand those pupils who are um, successful within your curriculum um, and who are making good development um, and those pupils who um, are either moving beyond that making more development than you might expect all those pupils who need some support so they can actually access your curriculum. Um, I've just written a piece for um, the Head Teacher magazine, which is due out soon, yeah. in which I, I made the point that most pupils in school are doing really well. You know, we should never forget that, in the, particularly in the English system, but across the UK, um, pupils make good development in school. They do really well in school, but not all. And, and, we're, and particularly when we're thinking about pupils who have got special educational needs and disabilities, we, when we identify them, you know, uh, what do we actually do for them? So firstly, there's a couple of things that we wanted to um, discuss. So the EEF Education Endowment Foundation have obviously been very useful um, on all kinds of levels. They produced a a report in 2020, which was special educational needs in mainstream schools guidance. Mm -hmm. Um, And they talk in that about creating a positive and supportive environment for all pupils. And that means placing support for pupils with SEND at the heart of school priorities, being inclusive by design is what they say and I think this is one of those key things of actually you know really thinking about how do we use the assessments we've got to identify those peoples who have some needs which mean that they that they will need some additional support in the classroom now you've obviously been working with people a lot and um, to talk about well okay what do we do when we're really getting in to try and identify peoples who have got additional needs and it's a tricky thing yeah yeah
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it is it is a really tricky thing and I, I think that thankfully the sort of the days of treating them them children with special education needs as some kind of uh cohesive group <laughs> which yeah no one ever believed that you know but mm. but for the sake of ofsted and uh external kind of oversight and review and what have you they, they were treated as this and mm. um I mean, even in the, the the green paper, I noticed that it refers to why why does this group underachieve in comparison to the non-send group yeah. in all measures? I mean, well, you know that the Osted Handbook says was it um, page I, I can't remember. It, it it keeps moving around, but there's a statement. Um, there's a paragraph in the Osted Handbook. It's like 362. I, I we'll we'll find it. Um, where it says offset inspectors will not compare the performance of children with send against any school, local or national average, right? So there are no benchmarks, I suppose, is the point I'm trying to make. There's nothing you can really compare them against. I think for children without special educational needs that are, as you just said, you know they're making good uh, progress through the curriculum, they're, they're maintaining pace with the curriculum, whatever, then, then there are kind of points you, you know that they all need to be at. They need to be able to do, because they're following the national curriculum, they need to be able to do this, this, this at these points because yeah. it's well mapped out. Whereas other children that aren't necessarily keeping pace of the national curriculum in, in its full extent, they will have their own separate targets, their own separate assessments and their own progress pathways. And so it's it's very, very different. So there's you can't. And that's the whole point of uh, provision mapping. And having learning plans, which is something that we at Insight have been looking at and and designing. Um, I I keep saying that in a school you have a cohort of children and then you have individuals. And I don't really think, and we say this in the book as well, I don't really think there's anything... In between that. I think this yeah. this categorisation, this subgrouping of children comparing one group to another was always massively flawed. We knew that like comparing pupil premium children to non-pupil premium children was always massively flawed. But it's, it's massively more problematic when you're saying oh, here's a group oh. of SEND children, let's compare them to some other thing. But this is the stuff that still goes on. This is the stuff that still, these conversations take place between senior leaders and, and, and teachers and between senior leaders and advisors and between senior leaders and maybe Oste inspectors, although less so now. And it's a massive mistake that if 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 you've got uh, say say you you seventy five percent of children in that cohort are fine. No concerns about them. You don't need a massive amount of data about those children. We just know they're fine. But it's the but twenty five percent are not. So twenty five percent are not mm. where we expect them to be. And let's say that's I don't know seven children. Mm. So those seven children. You need information about those seven children. Mm-hmm. But, all, they, but the chances are it's going to be seven different
0: exactly of, it's, it's unlikely that there will be direct commonalities between those yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. There, there will be some things that might link them together but they'll have different needs and different barriers so it's going to be seven different conversations and that's what we should be having we should be having seven different conversations it's not pretending that there are some some kind of group that we can compare against something because that's just nonsense trying to measure their progress is is nonsense um that's why they have these learning plans they have their own specific goals and in terms of assessment often not a one-size-fits-all approach to assessment and that's why schools will use lots of different assessments and they might just use one specific type of assessment for one specific child exactly so even so, comparing assessment data it becomes yeah, it becomes really problematic
0: becomes problematic so in the book we make the point that um, that you need to build pictures of your pupils you use yep. a sort of rough screen and we recommend where you can that you use standardized assessments um yep. to roughly screen pupils just to, to see where they are in in the key subjects um, particularly in reading and maths but then you use that to identify the pupils who are making good progress that will be 75, 80% of the pupils um, across the school. And in most classes, that would be about that. But for the pupils who are, who are not making the development and you know that they have got additional needs um then you need to think about what you're doing for those pupils and really drilling down into supporting those pupils we make various suggestions in the book about um, the additional um assessments that you can use because there are lots of other assessments we're not particularly going to talk about those today hopefully we'll do another um uh, uh podcast about this we've got a couple planned to talk about that but but for now you identify the fact that some pupils are not making the progress yeah. And then um, I'm going to bring in my other hat, uh, one of my other hats, which is that uh, I'm a consultant for the Driver Youth Trust. So Driver Youth Trust um, is a charity that works on um, supporting schools, um, trying to support pupils with literacy difficulties. Lots of people struggle to read and write mm. for whatever reason now school teachers know that they know that there are some pupils in their um, classes and their special educational need for quite a lot of the special educational needs you have it's basically trying to access the reading and writing that is required there are Mm -hmm. other things that you might do as well Um, but but I say once you've had the first filter we've got the pupils who don't have any issues that we're aware of we've got the pupils who do have issues with um, reading and writing and then there are probably some other people who need some, some further support. What I'm going to talk about is the people is the who do struggle with reading and writing. And what we, um, we've done various things. Um, we're about to launch a, um, a literacy difficulties framework. Um, and in that, what we say is that you know, build, drawing on all the things that the EF have done and you know, all the work which we've done yeah. as driver youth trust is that we talk about pupil level support for um, uh, pupils to support them with literacy difficulties and structural support for literacy difficulties. So the pupil level support is about saying, okay, the pupils in class, what do they need to allow them to access the curriculum? And now there could be all kinds of things that could work there, but the, the teachers need to know who those pupils are and the kinds of things which they're, they're going to do to support those pupils. So that could be providing them with additional materials. It could be providing them with additional support, which basically means that the teachers check in with those pupils more regularly when they're doing independent work, check in with them a little bit more regularly when they're doing whole classwork, other things that you could do. But things that support that pupil so they can stay in the classroom and they can access the, um, the, the curriculum in the classroom. Mm-hmm. The structural support, that we um, uh, we want uh, we work with schools to put in place is about saying, okay, what are the things that you're going to do that you're going to make a difference um, outside of the classroom? And that's the stuff where you're going to take pupils out and you're going to do um, specific intervention work, to use the phrase which we, which we use in schools, which, again, we all have issues with because it's slightly medical and so on. But sometimes you do need to, to do some additional work with pupils. And we talk about these two things, so pupil level and um, and structural support um, for literacy difficulties, and i think this is one of the keys that you know it, that our school system that we have um, the green paper touches on this a little bit um, uh, it, it is designed for us as much as possible to keep pupils in mainstream education as much as possible the green paper recognizes of course that lots of pupils need additional support and that's why they talk about additional provision but for today we're talking about actually pupils who are in in mainstream education in the classroom it's really thinking about how do we support those people so that we you've identified the fact they need additional support, what additional support can we and should we put in place? And how do you manage that? Because that's always the thing in any school that you work with. How do you manage um, putting something in place that, that's a difference to what you would normally be doing so you can support those pupils? And I think this is a really key thing for schools to think about. You know, what, what are you actually doing? And moving away from thinking about data to, um, as a progress tool to an action tool. Okay, you use the data to identify the pupils you're going to do something with. And then do something to actually change something
1: for them. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So um, that 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 thing, that distinction about progress, about what mm. progress is, is something I try and get schools to think about. But sadly, you know, schools are very much still. Many schools are very still much, um, in this kind of locked in this measuring world. Yeah. Um, that progress is something that that can be measured. And obviously, I, I you know, I will bore anyone to death about this. But um, I, I, in fact, I had this conversation. Yesterday, and it was with regards to children with SEND, and it was a head teacher saying that she is um, under pressure from both governors and from uh, external, from a um, local authority. Uh, school is in, you know, maybe got a bit of challenge there. Yeah, and, um, and 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 that she is under pressure to show, demonstrate, prove the progress that children with SEND make, and and I hear this phrase loads uh, I, I, I quote i've got mm-hmm. to measure the small steps of progress that mm-hmm. children send mate well what is a small step of progress I think mean, it first of all to measure something you you need to define what it is
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then you need a unit of measurement and then you need something that can measure that unit of measurement <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah? That, that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like in 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 science you'd have. You'd you define what it is, like pressure, and you'd you'd uh, you decide on your unit of measurement, um, yep. and then and then you would have a, a well calibrated machine that that would be able to establish that and, and, me- and measure that thing. Mm. And and I and, and we can't really do that. I mean, one one child's small step of progress is another child's sort of giant leap or whatever, you know. So you yeah. can't really define what it is, and it is on a very case by case basis, which I was just saying a minute ago. And that's why mm. we have these individual learning plans for children so it basically needs to cut a long story short schools need to stop and we keep banging on this schools need to stop being focused on progress as being a measurable entity and like Mm -hmm. i just gotta have some numbers and start thinking about what is it you really want to do (laughs) what is it you're trying to do what you're Mm -hmm. trying to do is support these children not provide numbers to keep someone happy stop doing that no, exactly. Just gather information that will actually make a difference.
0: Yeah, gather the information that you can make a difference. Exactly. And if you are going to, um, to identify um, a group of pupils and say, this pupil need, these pupils need additional support, then it is useful to put some kind of metric in there so that yes. you can see whether the support you're providing actually is, yes. is, is, is effective or not. And the one thing, which again, which we say in the book, is that sometimes you'll put some, um, something in place and it will prove not to be effective. And to a certain extent, that's fine you know yeah. we all we we uh, i often think in in the, in the school system there's a there's a feeling that everything must work all the time yes. and of course yeah. things don't yeah. work all the time you know you put something in place and it's really important that the pupils that so the teachers that staff are able to say this intervention which we've which we've done we've we've assessed it and we've put some a couple of metrics in place so we've measured something at the beginning something at the end and there's all kinds of ways of measuring that which we discuss in the book um but you you put something in place and you might sometimes say but it hasn't been effective and that's okay because then you know that in future if you're going to do something similar you need to to tweak it or you need to make a change to see if you can find something that is effective or has been effective in the past um because again we can't assume that that you know that thing that we put something in place and that it will work so that's another thing to consider
1: yeah but 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 then you know Maybe I'm just cynical, but mm. um, we can't always be absolutely certain that the thing that we put in place that we think uh, has worked has actually worked. Absolutely. Because uh, for a start, do you have a control group? Yeah. We joked about this. You know, what yeah. what you need is a whole. You, you need a whole bunch of children that need this particular yeah. support, and then you need to deny it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, exactly. You're to, well, you're not exactly. getting it. Yeah. So, yeah. Think, right. Well, yeah. obviously, you're not going to do that. Um, and, and then the next thing is you need somewhere measuring now. So a yeah. lot of would have a baseline assessment and an end of you know mm. assessment at the end right and then maybe it yeah. would be some kind of score or some kind of reading age or, or whatever and you're hoping to see some kind of improvement but mm. then maybe I mean if we just took reading ages and I know you, you know your thoughts about reading ages and I you know I do share that um, yeah. But if we just just stick with that we go over reading yeah. age because it's something I think that, that everyone can kind of identify you know identify it's quite familiar if you had two children um, with quite different needs, and you're doing some work with them um, with their reading, and one child, and both children, their reading age improved by six months. Mm.
0: Does yeah.
1: that mean that both of those children have made the same amount of progress?
0: Well, yeah. exactly, and, yeah. And, yeah.
1: And, and actually, even if that was a really robust measure, which we know mm. it's not because they're really flaky and they've got a mm. big gold confidence band around them, but, um, yeah. it, but maybe six months for one child, you think that's really impressive, actually, considering... You know, where they were, where their their start point was um, and the various issues that that child has with reading and and the Mm. problems that they've had in the past and their confidence around reading. And, you know, maybe their start point was much lower and they have made six months. You think six months is really impressive, child, but maybe there's another child who's made the same for a six month gain in their reading age. And you might think, well, that's really not that's a bit disappointing. So even when children 's assessments might improve by seeming the same amount that doesn 't necessarily mean the same no. thing is what i 'm trying to say
0: exactly um, you be aware of the numerical um, certainty and yeah, the idea yeah, that yeah. The, but, that, the numbers but I think we do we as well. do
1: treat that a change in score a change in age or whatever a change in percentage is like yeah. E- yeah. I, I think we make this point, but the seemingly equal change e- equal amounts of change does not actually mean the same amount same mm. same thing you know it yes. looks like oh it 's gone up by the same it 's not necessarily mean the same thing. So that's something else that we um, need to be aware of. And I suppose the other thing is that you, you might think that your, that the support you put in place is effective because we've seen these big improvements, but we have to also be aware that we can't isolate all the sort of the variables. Can we, we can't, um, we, we, we can't, you, you could, you could, the minute you say to parents, for example, we've identified this need Mm -hmm. and what we're going to do is this, then parents at home can start doing lots of things as well. And if yeah. maybe it's that. Maybe it's what's happening at home is having a big impact. Well, How do you separate out the impact of what's happening at home with parents? Saying, oh, no, we need to make sure. And they start reading up on everything they need to do. And they get some external advice, maybe, and yeah. get some extra tuition. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. It could be that.
0: Um, and the thing about comparing numbers again, I, I make this point uh, in data busting for schools about the fact that you have different types of data. So you have ordinal data, um, uh, nominal data, various bits, sure. ratio data. But basically, if, if there's no meaningful zero for your for your data, then um, uh, then it's it's very hard to make those comparisons. Or if the zero isn't quite where you think it is, my favourite is um, is using uh, the analogy of of temperature. You know, the change between zero and ten degrees. Um, is 10 degrees the change between 10 degrees and 20 degrees is 10 degrees but the, but those are slightly different changes because the yeah. actual zero for temperature is at minus 273
1: yeah.
0: and because on so on that scale the change between zero and uh, and 10 is different to the change from 10 to 20 it looks yeah. like each interval is the same but the intervals aren't all the same because yeah. because of the um, when you're looking at percentage changes because of the differences there and it's things like that i wish again all gets a bit technical but essentially you can't really compare the numbers so easily so uh, in terms of in terms, but in terms of send work uh, in terms of supporting pupils I say uh, with my other hat with my driver youth trust hat I say it's really important that schools think about this sort of pupil level support once you've decided or once you've done some assessments and you know that some pupils need some, something additional in order for them to um, yes. to be able to access the curriculum which they've been presented with we talk about in the driver youth trust we talk about dynamic support and targeted support dynamic support is things that you put place uh, in place in a lesson um, because it's dynamic it's something that comes up you know because you've got this general awareness some people struggle with certain aspects of the curriculum that Mm -hmm. you need to within a lesson support the pupils with whatever it is that you know that they struggle with now Mm -hmm. again I I can't give you particular examples Um, well I could give you uh, you know for example if a child struggles with their um, with with numbers then you give them something which will help them with numbers um, if, the, if the purpose of the lesson isn't for them to recall numbers, it's for them to use them, for example, you can give them that support in a lesson. So that kind of dynamic support, you're making changes in, um, in lessons. Targeted support is more where you've, you've got certain things where you know that the people needs additional help or additional time to do something so that you need to give them more exposure to a particular aspect of the curriculum. But those are the kinds of things which we need to think about when you're uh, you, um, thinking about SEND. You use the data to identify the pupils who need the additional support. And then you put support in place in the same way. So we talk about structural support. It's about you know, planning, organization, things you put in the classroom, you know, interventions and trying to integrate the, the learning there. So there's a number of things to think about there. Um, but again, it's really um, uh, useful for people to think about the fact that most people are doing OK. And for most people, that's OK. You know, you, if, as long as you've got your assessment in there to, to understand which people are doing OK, yeah. use your assessment to identify those that haven't and then do something about it. Yeah. Anyway, I think we should probably leave that there for now, because, again, people are very busy at the moment thinking about what they're doing for the rest of this term. We are going to come back and talk about the Green Paper on special educational needs and alternative provision. Yeah. Um, there's not to be too much to be said for the white paper, um, which has been published. A white paper is obviously the statement of policy. Again, people need to go and look at that and see well, what difference does it make. Extending the school day seems to be the main thing that um, <laughs> seems to be affecting people, because like that's a big thing. And uh, and obviously they're still banging the drum for um, for uh, academisation. You know, academies are academies, but honestly, you need to go and read their paper for um, for um, evidence, uh, policy-based evidence. It's very very entertaining. You're reading something thinking this has been written to try and support this bit. Anyway, I'm not going to get too much into the politics of that. We're talking about send the, the green paper. will hopefully we'll get to yeah. um, in our next podcast yeah. to, to look at that. So there you have it. The Data Busters podcast is published monthly during the academic year and is available on all good podcast outlets. If you like what we're doing, please do recommend us to others. And if you've got any questions, feel free to send in a voice recording or to contact us on Twitter, either at Data Busting, which is me, or at Jay Pembroke, which is Jamie. Um, And if you'd like us to put on a Data Busting Day near you, please do get in touch. We're in Oldham a little bit later this month, aren't we? We are, yeah, on the 20,
1: 21st of uh, June, um, so if you are in the um, Oldham area and would like to come uh, along, then uh, get in touch with us on Twitter, and or uh, well, you can search for it on uh, Data Busting uh, Oldham on Eventbrite and get a ticket there. So, Excellent. Um, yeah. Good stuff. So if you want us to come in, do get in touch um, and uh, we'll see what we can do, and yeah, do we to look. Yeah. So I was going to say we we, we can look to organise something in the autumn term. If you'd like yeah. to like us to put something on uh, near you to hear us talk about data nonsense for a day, then we are always happy to do so. Exactly. Um, and don't forget to order your copy of Data Proof Your School. And uh,
0: once you've had uh, a uh, good read, please let us know what you think about it and about our solutions for schools. Again, you know it's always useful to hear from you. <sighs> So, I think that's about it. Until next time, we hope our discussions here have helped you to decide what to do now, how you're going to support pupils with SEND in the classroom. Best of luck with that and keep data busting.